All right, good morning, Life Point. How are we doing? Good, okay. Uh, my name is Fred. If I haven't met you, I'm your spiritual formation pastor. Uh, thank you for being at Life Point today, uh, whether you're in person or online. And so uh, today, you guys have a, a treat in store for you, and it's not me. Uh, I'm only part of the treat. Uh, 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 we're going to be t- uh, co teaching today. I'm going to uh, start the message, and then Tyler Strickland, our student director, is going to finish the message. So when you see a bearded man appear on the stage, don't be startled. Uh, his beard is immaculate today, it looks very nice. Um, but we're going to be co teaching God's word. Um, and we're excited to be doing that today. So I'm going to be first. He'll be second. Don't be uh, worried about that. And so uh, we've been in a series this past year called, and you guys know, Bible in a Year. That's right. Yeah. So we've been taking the last uh, year, and it'll continue this next year, looking at uh, different books of the Bible, kind of taking a 10,000-foot view of the scriptures and what God has said. Uh, And we are in a series now called He Hears Us. Uh, If you don't know what that means, we're talking about God, that God hears our prayers. Um, And we've been looking at the book of Psalms, which is a whole book of prayers to God. It's songs of of prayer to God. And if you're here and you don't know who God is, um, I think you guys know maybe a little bit about him enough to know that we should be praying to our God, right? Um, so if you don't know Jesus or you're online and you're listening to this, uh, you know that Christians should be praying to their God, right? We should rely on God as if he actually exists. Um, and the Psalms, if you guys have ever read the Psalms, uh, I think they got a, a kind of a, they're misrepresented in culture. I think the Psalms, sometimes people think they're beautiful and flowery, right? That it's about unicorns and rainbows. It's all amazing. But when you read the Psalms, they are raw, right? Like you open up any psalm and it's probably going to be somebody confessing their sin, uh, proclaiming that God is is just and holy, uh, crying out for help. Um, Some of David's psalms are kind of polar, right? Like he's on one end, then he's on the other end as he's crying out to God for help. And so it's not really about circumstances, these psalms and these prayer to God. Uh, It's about petitioning God uh, for help and his presence in those circumstances. One way uh, to say this um, is that um, psalms um, are about Uh, our collection of prayers that teach us to praise God in all circumstances more than petitioning him to improve ours. So who here likes to pray for God to help you? Anybody? It's just me. Okay. A lot of us. Okay. So even if we don't know God, my bet is a lot of us at some point have cried out to God for help, right? Like, God, help me. I have a test. God, help me. I'm facing this thing in my marriage. God, help me. I'm facing this thing in my job. Things are not going well. A lot of us have cried out to God, and and the Psalms are more about praising God in all circumstances than wanting him to change our own. And that's going to be important today as we look at a Psalm of lament, okay? And if you don't know what that word means, it sounds bad, right? When I say we're going to lament today. You're like, oh, this is not going to be good. Um, We're going to be looking at Psalm 44. um, And a psalm of lament is just crying out to God and grieving and really venting to God about what's happening uh, in your life. And so uh, to kind of set this up, when I was 14, I was at my buddy Anthony's apartment, okay? Um, And and as I was walking down the hallway, I saw at the end of the hallway, there was this picture on the wall of a beach, okay? Um, And in the beach, there were these footprints in the what? In the sand, okay? I think you guys know what I'm talking about here. And so I'd never seen this before. I didn't believe in God. I was walking down the hallway and I stopped to read this and it was a picture with a poem on the sign. It was called uh, Footprints in the Sand, okay? Um, And I begin to read and this is a poem about a man who's having a dream. Uh, He's dreaming at night that he's on a beach with God and scenes from his life are flashing across the sky, okay? Um, And for every scene, he sees these footprints in the sand and there's usually two sets of, of footprints as God recounts the life that he has had with him. 
them. Um, but at the, at the end of it, he looks back at the footprints and he sees that during the darkest times of his life, there was only one set of footprints. That, that during those dark moments, he believed God abandoned him and left him behind and he's really upset. So he turns to God and he, and he accuses God. He says, God, why, why would you leave me at the, these darkest points of my life? You said you would always be with me. And, and, and the, the Lord in, in this poem turns to him um, and says, um, I, I never left you, my child. It was during those moments that I carried you. That's why you only see one set of footprints. And, and besides this being kind of an emotional, maybe a little bit cheesy poem, as a 14-year-old who'd been through some really hard moments, this hit me. That God was not absent in our pain, but he is intimately present. Does that make sense, guys? Um, and, and when we're confused and when we're worried, it can feel like we're alone and God is not with us. And that's really the heart of the psalm we're going to look at today. This psalm of lament as the Israelites were facing defeat and they felt this loneliness. They thought God had, he, they thought he was sleeping, okay? That God had fallen asleep, that he had abandoned them, and that was not the case. Um, and this is really relevant when it comes to us. Because my guess is in this room, you guys have been through a few things, right? Maybe lost some stuff. Maybe you've experienced uh, some sickness. Maybe you've, you, you've been betrayed. Uh, a lot of us have been through that. And a lot of us look back at our lives and we think it was in those moments that God was not there, right? That God was absent because if he was there, what would he have done? He would have helped us, right? He would have stopped the pain. He would have kept us from feeling this hurt. Um, so... Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, but a lot of Christians will look at people and say, um, um, God would never hurt you. You guys ever heard that? Um, a lot of people say God's uh, uh, pain, your pain is not part of God's plan in your life. And what we're going to look at today is even though you guys have been through some things, and I want to be careful about that, that pain does not mean that God is absent, guys. Um, in fact, the main point of what we're going to talk about today is that there is pain in his presence. There, there is pain in his presence. I don't mean that God just causes, like you pray to him and like, oh, that hurts. That's not what I'm talking about. What, I, what I'm talking about is, is your pain that you experience in life does not mean that God is absent. God is, is present in that whether you believe in him or whether you don't believe in him. Um, God has been there through every moment in your life, and we're going to be talking about that today. So Psalm 44 uh, is attributed to these guys called the sons of Korah. Sounds pretty cool, right? Um, and these were descendants of a man who rebelled against Moses and God in the wilderness. Um, God's people were enslaved in Egypt. Two million people, they cry out. God delivers them through this guy named Moses, brings them into the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years, okay? And God watered them, and he fed them supernaturally. Um, but then Korah leads this rebellion, and, and God says, hey, let's meet at the tent of meeting. We're going to have a roundtable discussion. We're going to figure out what's happening, and we're going to work through our issues, that's not what happened. I'm kidding. Uh, instead, the earth opened up, swallowed Korah and his family and, and those who followed him, uh, minus a few people, and then crushed them. God killed them on the spot for rebelling against God and Moses. And that's a kind of different thing, right? No, I don't think the earth is going to open up today for those of us who are walking away from God. But, but that's how, what happened. And some of his descendants lived, okay? Some of his sons survived. God spared them. Um, and they later served the Davidic monarchy, okay? So think of David, King David, and the, and the kings after him. They served in the temple and in various roles. Um, and this is attributed to them and these guys. They just had a, a crushing defeat or a series of defeats, okay? So nowadays, we're not at war with Canada, right? Are we at war with Canada? I don't remember. No. Mexico? No. Uh, but, but back in the day, it was very common to be at war with, with the nations that you were bordering. And they were constantly at war. And they were losing. And the problem is that they had been faithful to God. At least they thought they had been faithful to God. And that God should have given them victory. And they equate their defeat with God's absence. 
and, and, and be honest, I think a lot of us are there today. So we're looking at Psalm 44, the Psalm of Lament, and what's going to happen is these guys are first going to praise God for the pain in other people's lives, okay, that, that, that uh, God did some things and they defeated their enemies and they're praising God for this, but when it comes to the pain in their life, they're going to denounce it and they're going to accuse God of some crazy stuff because of what they felt in their life. And again, my main point, our main point today is there is pain in his presence. So let's look at Psalm 44. If you guys have a Bible, I'm going to open that up um, or not. You guys look at the screen too. I'm going to to hold a real Bible for this one. So Psalm 44 verse 1, it says this. Um, It says, God, we have heard, and this is the good part. This is where they're praising God, okay? (laughs) God, we have heard with our ears. Our ancestors have told us the work you accomplished in their days, days long ago. So he's talking about the exodus from Egypt, that God had rescued them, destroyed the most powerful nation in the world to bring his people out, and then he brought them victories after that. It says, in order to plant them, your people, in this new land, you displaced the nations by your hand. In order to settle them, you brought disaster on the peoples. Remember, they're praising God for this, okay? For they did not take the land by their sword. Their arm did not bring them victory. But, your, but by your right hand, your arm in the light of your face, because you were favorable toward them. So, like I said, the psalmist begins to recount this victory that, that God had given his people. Two million people were enslaved in Egypt, and God delivered them. Uh, he destroyed uh, the, the Egyptian army. He'd killed uh, Pharaoh's um, firstborn son that was going to take the throne. And, and essentially, they're, now they're in the desert. And because of their rebelliousness, God says, okay, you're going to die in the desert. You're going to be here for 40 years, and a generation passes away. But while they were there, God fed them through manna falling from heaven. He fed them supernaturally with water, or watered them with water. Um, and he kept them alive. And then he brought them uh, into the land of Canaan, the kind of what we call the promised land, okay? So if you're here and you don't know God, just think of modern day Israel on plus or minus a little bit of land. And God brought them to the edge and then they had victory after victory against some of the strongest cities and tribes in the ancient Near East. God, um, through his people, destroyed them. And if you were there watching these battles, you would have been like, well, the Israelites did it, okay? It was their sword that cut that person, right? They accomplished the victory. But what the psalmist says is that God brought it about, right? God was with them and he brought them Victory, and you know what the distinction is in that victory? Like, like the, the word that the author uses is, is favorable. Let's look at this, Psalm 44, 3. It says this. It says, for they did not take the land by their sword, even though they were using their swords. Their arm, it means their strength, did not bring them victory, but by your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, because you are favorable toward them. And the key word there is favorable, guys. These guys won victory after victory because of God's grace. God showed them favor, okay? Um, 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 And what I want to point out is that it does not say presence. God's presence does not guarantee victory. It was his favor that brought victory, his, his grace, his kindness that brought them victory and gave them a homeland. And by the way, the people who dwelled in this land, they were not like, like okay kind of people, like neutral people. Like, so the people who dwelt in this land, they would sacrifice children. Um, they would do really dark things uh, in these temples. They, they were kind of an evil people, and God had removed them, and through his people, conquered these lands. Um, and so um, the Israelites, the psalmists, they're just praising God, right? And I think anybody listening or anybody back then, they would have been praising God along with them. Like these nations that are still hurting them, praise God that they were 
defeated. And, and this is important because the psalm's about to take a hard right turn, okay? Like, you guys ever been in the room with somebody and you're talking and all of a sudden they take a hard right turn? You're like, oh no, I got to get out of here. You guys ever been there? No? Okay, so uh, I was driving to Reno with Tyler. We were visiting um, Shane, who went on the Czech mission trip, and we were sitting at the corner of uh, Virginia, South Virginia and Liberty, and we look over, and these two dudes are yelling at each other. They walk out of buildings, start yelling at each other. Then they start fighting almost instantly. They're rolling on the ground. People are in traffic. Um, it was kind of this hard right turn, and the psalmist is about to do this um, as they begin to accuse God of some crazy things. Um, because what had happened, guys, is they'd had victories in the past, and they thought that God's presence meant that they'd have victories in the future, and it didn't happen. They were defeated time after time after time. So let's look at this. Psalm 44, verse 9. It says this. This is the, the pain for them. So they looked at the pain for others. Let's talk about the pain for them. It says, but you have rejected and humiliated us. You do not march out with our armies. You make us retreat from the foe, and those who hate us have taken plunder for themselves, okay? And, and, and plunder is not a good thing. That means that there were probably villages that were plundered, um, and men and women and children who were slaughtered as, as a result of this. You hand us over to be eaten like sheep. You scatter us among the nations. You sell your people for nothing. They're calling God a slave master, okay? You make no profit from selling them. You make us an object of reproach to our neighbors, a source of mockery and ridicule to those around us. You make us a joke among the nations, a laughing stock among the peoples. My disgrace is before me all day long, and shame has covered my face because of the taunts of the scorner and reviler, because of the enemy and avenger. Um, so, so sometime after David, we know this was written after David was king um, of Israel, 1000 BC or so, um, and before God's people were exiled among all the nations, or at least the, the Jews were, those of the tribe of, uh, of Judah, um, we see that there was this series of defeats that caused the, the psalmist to cry out to God. They were confused, okay? Um, they were confused as to why the God of their ancestors who brought them victory wouldn't bring them victory, okay? Wouldn't bring these modern day or at least then modern-day Israelites' victory, um, and they begin to point their fingers. Um, and, and this isn't really like a technical argument, right? Um, these guys are very emotional right now. So, so during COVID, I think a lot of us lost our cool at least once, right? And if you didn't lose your cool, you probably lost it many times and you're lying right now. Um, all of us lost our cool at least one time, right? As we were inside, we couldn't go places, we couldn't see people. So it was May of 2020. I was in the bathroom looking down in the sink and I see that there's, there's hair in the sink, a lot of hair in the sink. And I begin to get really upset. I'm like, who put this hair in the sink? Why did they, oh, they must have done it because they wanted to make me angry and upset. And I begin to get worked up and I begin to list these things off. And then I remember, oh, wait, I haven't been able to go to the barber. So I actually cut my hair in that sink yesterday. And that's my hair in the sink, right? And that was, it was emotions. I was listening. It wasn't like a technical argument. And this is where these guys are is they accuse God of some crazy things. So, so this list of accusations this would have been uh, even low for Satan, right? So if I would have gone off on Satan saying these things, you'd be like, hey, take it easy on the devil, okay? But they say these things about God. They accuse God of rejection, humiliation, defeat, embarrassment, abandonment, despisement, enslavement, mockery, disgrace, and shame. Um, these guys had lost so much um, and, and they thought because of their defeats, God must not have been with them. In fact, because they were defeated, God must actively be against them. And I want to ask you guys, have you ever felt that before? 
Like, 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 like I've, I've followed God. I've been faithful and, and I've experienced so much pain in my life. I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess and say, for those who know Jesus, and if you don't know him, maybe just listen in. Um, you've probably faced more pain after you accepted him than you did before you accepted him. My guess is there's been more losses and more struggles after you've accepted Christ than, than in your life before him, as we see that God does not spare his people from pain. In fact, he's, he's in that pain with us. And I know for a lot of us, that, that's kind of a hard word, right? Um, that, that God sees, so maybe the best way I can put this is, God was in the room in those worst moments in your life. He saw the abandonment, he saw the abuse, he saw the betrayal, he saw the lies, he saw what you did that you wish you could take back. He could have stopped it with a word, but he didn't. Do you guys understand? God was with you. And, and, and really, what we're going to press into a little bit today, and what the psalmist is going to get to, is that there are some things that are worse than pain. And there are some things that can surpass pain, if you guys didn't know that. Um, so before Tyler comes out here with his immaculate beard and, and kind of finishes this message up, um, I really want to... Um, invite you guys to pray a prayer of limit with me. I'm going to pray over you guys um, this morning. Um, and I invite you to pray with us as, as we see that God, um, he doesn't leave us in our pain. So like when I read that poem as a 14-year-old, I, I was just, I'd been through so much stuff. As a 14-year-old, I, I, it was so hard for me to believe that and agree that God was there. But he was. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Um. Father, you are our Lord. You are our King. You are the God of the breakthrough, the God who rescues us. You're the God who sent your son Jesus to be a sacrifice for us. You gave up your son on a cross to forgive us. He, you raised him from the dead. Um, he ascended into heaven. And, and, and for many of us, we believe this to be true. We know all these things to be true, your word to be true. Um, but it doesn't take away the pain in our life. It doesn't take away the, the feelings of abandonment on the day that you left us, or at least we thought. Father, would you help us in the midst of our pain? Would you help us to have peace that surpasses understanding, peace that can hold us, and, and peace that can help us trust again, even though we have struggled deeply to do that? Help us to know that you are present in our pain. Amen. There's pain in his presence. And that can be a really heavy statement because it requires us to admit that one, God and all of his holiness and all of his power and all of his might allows creation to feel the brokenness that we live in. It's also really heavy because it, it means it happens inside of his presence. It means that when we are close to him, there's still gonna be pain, at least this side of eternity. And I think that's where we find Israel in, our, in this, this lament, in this psalm that they're writing. Is they've, they've tried to say, hey, we're going to reorient ourselves to you, remind ourselves who you are, and they go to war, and they lose badly. And then they contend with God. Hey, what happened? Psalm 44, 17 through 19. All this has happened to us. But we've not forgotten or betrayed your covenant. Our hearts have not turned back and our steps have not strayed from your path, but you have crushed us in a haunt of jackals and have covered us with the deepest of darkness. Hey God, we worshiped. We did what you've asked. We've sacrificed animals. We've tithed our 10th. We gave you our first fruits. We, 
we followed everything you've asked of us. Why, why did this happen? I think we get that way in our pain and our suffering. We try to reason and, and barter with God. Hey, hey, I went to church. I prayed, I worshiped, I served. I gave you everything I had. How could you turn your back on me? You start to sound like somebody else. Continued in 20 through 22. Hey, if we'd forgotten your name of our God and spread our hands to a foreign God, little g, wouldn't God have found this out since he knew the secrets of our heart? But because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Whew, there's some sass behind those words. If you've raised children at all, you understand that once they hit about 12, 13, the sass becomes really real because they've learned what sarcasm is, but they don't know how to wield it properly, right? Yeah, so they'll say things to you like, well, don't you know, why are you asking me? Uh, first of all, that's disrespectful. We're not gonna do that. But secondly, yeah, of course I know. And of course he knew what was happening, right? That's why there's pain in his presence. We have to figure that out. God allows this to happen. And, and, and what's the reason? Why, why? What's the why behind it? How do we understand that? When I was in my 20s, I was in college, Sophomore, junior year, my grandma, um, God-fearing woman, sang in the choir, church every Sunday, read her Bible often, had spiritual conversations, a, a spiritual giant in my life, was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And I, I remember asking God why, like I was baffled. Why would that happen? She doesn't deserve that. She doesn't deserve to have this affliction put on her. And I was away at school. I was eight and a half hours southeast of St. Louis where I grew up in, in Tennessee, um, and I watched as the chemotherapy, it, it helped prolong her life. But, but if you know anything about cancer, stage four means it's aggressive. It means that there's, there's, there's time left, but you don't know what that time might be. And sometimes doctors aren't even sure what that time might be. And it might be another 20 years because that miraculous could happen, but it could be less. It could be months. All in all, we got about another year and a half with my grandmother and, and I was at school in my junior year, and it was fall, we were getting ready to leave for fall break, and I was headed to coastal Carolina with some friends to hang out on the beach and just enjoy some time away from school. And I got a phone call that morning, and I walked out of my dorm, I had my, my bag in my hand, and it was going to the car, we were, we were leaving, and my mom called, and I was like, oh, maybe she's just calling to ask if I'm ready to go on my trip, like, cool, this is awesome, and I answer, and, and there's, it's really quiet, and you know when that quiet, like, hey, what's up? And the tone changes, something bad's happened. And she's like, hey, Tyler, what are you doing? And I was like, well, getting ready to leave, fall break, you know, that's happening. And she goes, hey, slow down. Your, your grandma passed away in her sleep last night. My mood went from vacation to, excuse me? What, what happened? And then to make insult to injury or add insult to injury, my mom goes, hey, by the way, we, we got together and, and say goodbye a couple nights ago and and we got to share good memories, and she, she reminded me to tell you how much she loved you. What? Wait, you, you, you gathered together to say your goodbyes, and you didn't bother to pick up the phone and call me? Like, this is, this is the 2010s. We had, long distance was long gone. You didn't cost a call. Just make the phone call, Mom. And she's like, well, I just wanted you to know, I didn't hang up the phone. I threw it. Across the lawn of my dorm, and I was enraged by what happened. And that's where our pain takes us is, 
is to this point of anger and anger can slowly turn to acrimony or just severe bitterness. And I believe that's where we're seeing Israel, but there's hope, there's promise because lament is how we pray our pain. Lament is how we pray our pain. It is the God-given way that we take what is going on in our lives, the darkness, the bitterness, whatever we're holding on to, and we can take it and lay it at the foot of the Father. See, our, our pain is an offering to God, whether we agree with that statement or not, it's the truth. And Israel understood that. That's why they spend the time here. God orchestrated all of creation, knew there would be pain, saw the brokenness long before it would ever happen to us and said, hey, I'm gonna give them a way to handle this. And it is a way that they will come to me because lament is how we pray our pain. God honors lament so much that he decides, hey, out of, out of this canon of Bible, the, the 66 books that make up the Bible, I'm gonna give you a full book, five chapters written in the Old Testament by Jeremiah, who's a prophet while the nation of Israel was being forced into Babylonian captivity away from their promised land. And he says, hey, watch, I'm gonna show you how to lament properly. And in Jeremiah in chapter three, verses one and two, this is what it says. I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. And he has driven me away and forced me to walk in the darkness instead of light. We feel this. It would make a great Bob Dylan song, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's a little moody, it's a little angsty, it's a little edgy, but the reality is, is it's the pain. I've seen the affliction and it's under God's wrath. I've seen the pain in his presence and he has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Now, the truth of this is that it's Israel saying, hey, you're taking us from our promised land. You promised to be the shield and the sword for us. You promised us a nation that is to be great Yet you're pulling us from it and it is darkness instead of light because we're walking into a nation that doesn't believe in you. How do we, how do we deal with that pain? And if, as Fred talked about, David wrote a ton of the Psalms and David was a man of affliction. He understood what it was to walk in his own brokenness and in his lament, in his deep cry, he says, God, haven't you heard the, the words of my groaning? Don't you see this present darkness I'm living in? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David, David's starting to sound like someone else. And then, then we get to our Savior, our Lord Jesus, right? And Jesus in a garden, sitting the night to be, he was to be portrayed, praying with his disciples, goes and he wrestles with the Father in lament. Matthew 26, 39, it's on the screen, part B. He fell on his face, oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Guys, lament is not answered, it is confounded. Lament's not answered, it just breeds healthy confusion and it forces us to reorient ourselves to the presence of God. We'll focus on what we're holding on to. We'll focus on what's internal, but, but lament is the invitation to something greater. It's to take what we're focusing on, put it at the foot of God and look up and see that there is pain in his presence, but he hasn't left, that he's still there. Jesus' lament was not answered, it was confounded, and he answers it very well with, hey, if this cup will pass for me, if this can happen for me, do it. But that's what I want. God, I, I need what you want. 
I need my heart to align with your will. And so look at Israel, Psalm 44. You are my king, my God, and you ordain victories for Jacob. This is before battle. They oriented, they worshiped. And then at the end, wake up, Lord. Why are you sleeping? Get up, don't reject us forever. Why do you hide and forget our affliction and oppression? For we have sunk down to the dust and our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up, help us, redeem us because of your faithful love. God, your will, not mine, but you're hiding and I don't know. So either you are our God and King, right? Either he is truly our Lord and Savior or he's not. Either God is present with us in our pain or, or he's hiding. I held on to the bitterness of my grandma dying and, and really it was bitterness towards my family for not allowing me to say my last goodbye. It was also bitterness at God. Like how could you take her? How could you, this is a faithful woman. She had so much to give. She didn't get to see her great grandchildren and, and you took her from us. And I held, I held on to that for months and it sat inside me and everything in my life started to lack. My schoolwork, I had professors going, dude, you're, you're, you're going to fail this class if you don't fix what's going on with you. My, my soccer career at school, which is a Bible college, so it really wasn't much of a career, but it was fun. <laughs> lacked, my playing lacked. My coach was like, hey, you've, you've lost some hustle, man. What's, what's going on? Ah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm okay. But reality was, inside I was wrestling with this loss. I was holding on to this bitterness. I remember sitting at my desk one night, and I, I couldn't focus, and I couldn't think, and I was feeling angry, and I was feeling confused, and I didn't understand what was going on. And, and like most athletes, the healthy thing was to go for a run. So I decided, hey, I'm going to go for a trail run. Looked at my roommate, put on my shoes, and I was like, hey, I'll be, I'll be back in about an hour, hour and a half. I don't recommend you running any trails at night. Dangerous. But uh, my campus was on uh, some country, and the French Broad River, which runs through eastern Tennessee, uh, ran right by our campus, and there was a trail that kind of ran on it, and it was a really bright night. There was a full moon, and you could see some of the stars, so I, I decided, hey, I'm going to go for a run. And I take off down this trail, and about a mile, mile and a half in, there's this beautiful clearing, and the trees kind of open up, and you can hear and see the river kind of flowing, and, and the stars and the moon are placed because we're out in the country, and like Nevada, there's dark skies, so you can, uh, you can actually see the beauty of the night sky. And I stopped because I was out of breath, and I was, I was just trying to outrun my pain, and it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I remember looking up, and I'm going, that's really pretty. How dare you? Ooh. How dare you? How could you take her from us? What did she do to deserve this? Why? My words were crass. I was swearing at God because I was so angry. My voice went hoarse from the yelling and, and eventually I hit my knees because I just couldn't bear the weight anymore. I started to sob. And in my sobbing, it felt like 50 pounds had just rolled off my back. Like that weight had been lifting because I allowed myself to lament my pain. Now, God didn't answer the pain in that. It was confounded. I was still confused, but it brought me to this moment of deep worship where I got, I got up and I thanked him. And I said, you know what? I don't know why you took her, but you gave me 21 years with her in my life. Like you gave me the encouragement to continue to pursue you because of her. I get to see her example and pass that on to whoever I meet. Lament is not answered, friends. It's confounded, but it forces us to wrestle with the creator. 
in preparing for this sermon, I was reading through some Dan Allender articles, and Dan does a lot of work with trauma and pain and how we deal with it in a Christian way. And I found this quote, and I thought it was extremely relevant to what we're talking about today. It is, it is the cry of God in anguish, doubt in search. It is the inconceivable cry that does not silence our lament, but it focuses it on a God of such wrath and such mercy and such passion for his glory and our reconciliation that he is willing to go to the most incomprehensible lengths to win us to his heart. See, lament softens the hardness of the false piety or arrogant unbelief. It intensifies our search and it puts us before the face of Jesus's inconceivable cry. Jesus wrestled with God in the garden. The garden was called Gethsemane and that, that word is important because it means the olive press. It's where olive oil was made in the area. And so it was a grove of olives and they would take it and they would grind out the olives until the, the oil was produced. And Jesus is sweating blood in the garden and he's wrestling with God and he comes to a point where, the, where, his, where his, this weight is something he can't bear. And so he says, your will, not my own. And then he leaves the garden. When he leaves the garden, he doesn't do it on his own accord, but, but is forced out of the garden in shackles. He's arrested. Now it wasn't on his own accord, but he willingly went. So that's an important point to make. And they drag him before Pilate and a bunch of stuff happens there. But the important part is that they strap him to a log and they, they whip him and they beat him. His flesh is ripped open. The guards take and they shove a crown of thorns into his head and they, they put him in purple and they tie his instrument of death to his back and they tell him to march. And he gets to Golgotha. It's the, the place where Jesus was crucified. It's this hill just outside of Jerusalem and and he's put on a cross and they stretch his arms out and they pierce his hands with, hands with nails and they pierce his feet with those same nails. And he's, he's sitting there, arms stretched wide and he's, he's dangling with what little life he has left. Labored breathing and it's, it's this brokenness and, and he echoes Israel and he echoes David because he gets cut off from the presence of God or so he feels. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He hangs there a little bit longer. And with his last breath, he echoes his prayer in the garden. It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he dies. With his dying breath, even though he felt cut off from the presence of God for the first time in his life, I mean, God in human flesh, cut off from the presence of the Father. And yet he was still willing to say, hey, your will, not mine. Because Jesus knew the whole point of his death was a lament for the people. It was supposed to be our redemption. It is what reconciles us back to him. Folks, we understand that there is pain in his presence and that lament is, is not answered. It's confounded because it is our point to get back to who he is. Jesus, cut off from the presence of God, you had to think for the first time, he's, he's freaking out. I, I don't feel you. Where are you? How have you turned your back on me? We sound like Jesus in our lament. But it is God's will, not our own. Lament is our way of offering our pain to him because it is, our, it is a pure form of offering God, back to God our chance to be in his presence. I've got a couple next steps for you. But the reality is, is I don't want you to forget that there is pain in his presence. Jesus felt it. David felt it. Israel felt it. Everyone in this room has felt it. And the beautiful part is that God never turns his back. He never once closes his eyes. He's sitting there in this darkness with us, waiting for us to turn our face to the light. 
God is not hiding. We've just looked away. Lament is how we reorient back to who he is. So today, if that's what you're feeling, if you're holding on to something that you were never designed to hold on to, then your first step is to lament your pain. You got that slide? There we go. Lament your pain. Express it. Have it out with with God. He can handle it. And if it forces you to get crass, then be crass. That's okay. If it forces you to express the darkness that you're feeling, like he's been there, he's felt it, and he's going to carry you through. That that poem that Fred mentioned, it it can seem kind of cringy, but the reality of it is, is it's not cringy. It's beautiful because it's the most truthful thing that we're just carried through our darkness. God was there on the cross. He was there watching his son die. But but three days later, he watched him resurrect. Three days later, he watched the most beautiful act of love, which was his sacrifice, the incomprehensible, defeat death so that we could lament our pain, so that we could have a presence with the Father. So lament your pain. And the second one is acknowledge his presence. If you're going through it right now, if you're dealing with it, if you're fighting with it, if you're trying your best to hold it all together, don't. But remember that he's not left you. He's right there beside you. And the matter, most of it, he's carrying us through. And lastly, it's because we are in a series of prayer. Would you say this prayer this week? And I'm going to read it for you. As Heavenly Father, you know and see the darkness and pain that I'm in. And I feel lost and forgotten. You promised to be with me, but I feel like you're hiding. I don't understand why that I am enduring this, but I, I know you are good. Help me to align my thoughts and emotions with your heart and plan. Grant me the same strength that Jesus had. Rise up. Help me. Redeem me because of your faithful love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're here in this moment with us. And I walked on stage carrying my own pain, so I know that the people in this room are carrying it too. This is our moment. We take it and we lay it at your feet and we let it go. And after we've let it go, we look up and we, we acknowledge that your presence is here with us right now. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. If you're a first-time guest, please, please, please stop by the Connection Center. We'd love to get to know you. Um, also, a couple of reminders for this week. We've got the golf tournament on Wednesday for men's, our men's ministry golf tournament. Trunk or Treat's coming up. Um, all of that, all the information you need for events around the church can always be found in our app, so download that. And lastly, if you're a student in this room and I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Tyler. I'm the student's director. I'm going to be right down here after I stop talking. Come introduce yourself to me. I'd love to meet you. Or if you'd ever have an idea about serving with students or desire to do that, come introduce yourself to me and let's talk as well. Love you guys. Have a great week.